You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello everyone, welcome back. This is the 30th episode of Backstage Talk. I'm really excited about that. And today I have a really special guest all around the world from the UK. I have here with me Cameron Tweed. Uh, Cameron, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor and a pleasure. And... I'm really excited to ask you a lot of stuff, uh, but uh, first, hello. Hello, nice, nice to see you and, and meet you. Um, all the way from England, across the pond. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Yeah. No, my 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 pleasure. Um, I will first start asking you, um, like, I know who are you, but our listeners don't. Uh, so I'll let you introduce yourself a bit. Sure. Um, well, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Cameron. I live in the UK, about an hour out from London. Uh, I'm currently in my final year of kind of college, uh, or we call school college here, um, before I go off to uni next year, um, applying for different drama schools here in the UK, uh, and also normal universities um, to do normal courses, because I think it's good to kind of stretch especially because of covid you know with the industry um being put on hold i think it's good to kind of keep your doors open at the moment so i've kind of got a foot in as many doors um as i can get in um but yeah that's that's kind of me at the moment um waiting to hear back from a, a few places for next year but it's all it's all hopefully going well um and I'll, I'll obviously, as we, we get further into the podcast, kind of explain a bit more about my background in um, musical theatre and, and dance and tap more specifically. But yeah, very, very happy to be here. And well, now that you're saying that you're looking into other schools, uh, besides keeping yourself in the in, in the entertainment industry, what other programs are you looking at at the moment? Um, well, my three current um, offers for university are to study law with Spanish law, um, so quite quite different, and that's at the University of Oxford, um, there, and then there's two more schools in London, University of College London and King's College, um, so they're quite, obviously they're very different to uh, your kind of your typical route through, um, through to get into the industry, but um, I think... 
uh, with Oxford especially, you know, you've got people like Benedict Cumberbatch and um, Footlights and all of that, which you can uh, go through through universities um, here in England. So I think it's not the most traditional route to go down, perhaps to do, you know, study a, a very dense subject like law. Um, but I, I'm sure that everything will hopefully work out well in the end. But I've, um, I've also got... Uh, two final recalls for um, drama schools here in the UK. Um, so the Guildford School of Acting and Arts Ed, Arts Education London, which are two very big uh, drama schools here. Um, and so those are kind of my... I, I've got my recalls on Saturday and Tuesday, so those are kind of my options for the moment. Um, but yeah. But that sounds amazing. I wish you the best. I know that you will get a lot of options out of, of all the schools you just mentioned. Um, tell us a little bit about how you started in theatre and in musical theatre. Um, well, I lived in Singapore, um, even further across the globe in Asia for about 10 years. Um, and the kind of cultural, theatrical cultural community out there isn't, you know, as big as it is in, in Broadway in America and, and in England. Um, and it kind of, my journey if you will in um in theater kind of started well it started with dance um mainly is that i remember my mom went to pick up um she went with my mom's friend was her daughter was doing ballet classes and i was hanging out at their house and the mom said oh, do you want to come pick up my um my daughter with me because my mom was there as well and i said yeah sure i'll come along for the, for the car ride not thinking much of it um And we turned up early, and so I kind of sat outside, and I, I watched. I watched a few classes, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool. Like, this is you know, not not your typical boy boy thing." Um, but from from when I was younger, um, and but I thought this is really cool. And I went to a shopping mall a few weeks later, and I saw a dance shop. And I said, oh, mum, can I go in there? Can I go in there? And she was like, okay, fine. She let me go in. Um, and I remember seeing these kind of shoes with metal on the bottom. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Um, and I tried them on. And I just, like, I loved, like, just making sounds with my feet. And just, I don't just uh, the, the feeling of kind of, of tapping, which I didn't know what it was back then, but do now. Um, and my mum kind of thought, This, this is a bit, you know, he's he's not a football type of guy. Um, but my mum has lots of friends who kind of work in the theatre industry in uh, in Singapore. And so that Christmas, I think, I auditioned for a panto um, for a company called Wild Rice. Um, I don't know if any of, any of your listeners are, are based out in, in Singapore, but um, Wild Rice is probably the biggest kind of theatre company and um, theatre practitioner in Singapore. Um, and... My mum knew one of their directors for the panto, and I auditioned. And actually, the first year I got in because I was just I was friend. My mum was friends with him, and you know they were just trying to do my mum a favour. But I did that for about four years, um, just because I, you know, I loved. I kind of loved that feeling of theatre, um, and and so yeah, that's kind of where my my start of my theatre world started in a way was. Um, just because I watched a ballet class, my mum thought, you might enjoy this, I'll put you in contact with one of my friends, and I I just happened to do um, a pantomime on you, and that was, that was how it started. I love it, I love it. Um, it's just, it was meant to be. I think that... Exactly. It, it, I, I 
I do believe in serendipity and a lot in, in fate, but some things are meant to be. And what you just said, I think it's meant to be. Um, and you just started out of, out of the blue, um, taking ballet classes and tap classes. Who else? Uh, do you have a, a specific figure of someone that inspired you to be a performer? I think I kind of, the culture in the world that I grew up in in Singapore was, um, it was, you know, it was the kind of big rise of children's like television and Nickelodeon and Disney um, and kind of the rise of that industry. Um, and so I did, I grew up with all of these kind of, these child stars and, and things like iCarly, Jesse, all of these, you know, really typical late 2000s TV shows. Um, and I kind of, I always watched that and I was like, oh, I'd love to, you know, live in LA and uh, and be a, be a child star. Who wouldn't? Uh, it, 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 the life just looked amazing. Um, and so it was kind of like things fell into place. It wasn't that I had an idol or I had an inspiration and I thought, I want to do that. It was that I kind of, I think submit, um, subconsciously in my mind, I was kind of looking at it and going, wouldn't that be amazing? And then uh, and then in the other part of my life, I was, you know, watching a dance class and kind of put the two together and went, oh, I, I never thought about this. Like, I can go into this. Um, and then from there, I kind of developed inspirations in a way. I think my mum kind of showed me the classic singing in the rain. Um, I, I, I saw... There was a production of On the Town, um, to which I kind of got familiar with Gene Kelly and Gene Kelly's work. Um, and so, yeah, I was never, it was never one thing that inspired me to, one thing, was just one. It was kind of a collective thing of what I was watching, um, what I was interested in, and, and what I was, yeah, seeing in life. Um, so, yeah. So you're 18 right now. Um, I would guess that you started performing around 10? Yeah, yeah, near, near eight, I think it was. Eight. And you've come a long way with the World Tap Championship. Yeah. So you are a five-time World Tap Champion. Yeah. <laughs> that That it's just mind-blowing at at being at such a, a young age um it's just like mind-blowing tell us a little bit about that journey into the championship and into the the five times you won it um well as i said it all started in kind of this um going to these these tap classes and my uh my teacher richard um who still teaches tap now in singapore kind of um saw me and i wasn't you know i wasn't great to start off with like kind of stomping my feet around trying to find my way um and and yeah and, and my teacher kind of said well you know why don't you do some some private lessons and, and come to a few more classes and so i came to a few more classes i kind of i worked on my kind of skill um and i still i still wasn't i wasn't you know amazing um and I kind of, I was, I was decent at it. And then I moved back to England in 2013 and I just happened to see a, um, 
my mum happened to see this advert for a, a tap class from a few uh, someone who um, there's a tap show called Tap Dogs and he was the um, dance captain in Tap Dogs and he was teaching a, a workshop and so I turned up to this workshop in Italia Contes which is a, a big theatre school in, in London um, and I I came to it I did it and it was you know, I just was, I was really enjoying myself. I wasn't thinking anything of it. And at the end, he pulled me and my mum aside. And he said, um, have you, you know, have you had any training in this? And I was like, well, I mean, I've had a bit in Singapore. And that was it. He said, I think, you know, I think you've got something. Um, and I'd love to work with you um, and, and kind of get your skill up. So I worked, his name is Douglas Mills, um, Debbie Mills. I worked with him for about four years, um, kind of working on really cool technique and I kind of got taught it all from scratch um taught all the kind of basics of tap um and then I went to uh, a dance fair this the story sounds very complicated but um in, in my head the linear makes sense um but I went to this dance festival called Move It. Um, it it's the biggest dance convention in Europe um, and I saw this tap company called Tap Attack um which are quite a quite famous tap attack um, and I, I saw them I did a, a class with them to work on my canoning skills and um, my rhythm skills uh, and I thought I might as well might as well audition it would be quite fun not still not thinking anything of it um, and tap attack are actually the, uh, the the kind of tap company that create the team GB that compete in the world championships I should put that context there but um i worked with um tap attack i went to their auditions um i auditioned and, and i got in i got into their youth company um they've got kind of a company and associates so associates are once a month and company once every two weeks um so i joined their their youth company and i uh, that was in 2014 2015 so about I've been working with Dougie for about a year, year and a half, um, and I worked with them and I auditioned for their the Team GB for the tap team. Um, and the first year I got a um, a role in their formation, um, which is basically a, a twenty four group number. Um, it's all about the patterns and you know straight lines in the world championships they've got this camera at the top of the stage to judge how straight your lines are and to judge how good your formations are uh, including the name that formation um and i was i was the youngest one in there i was actually um so much detail i mean there's three categories in the world championships there's children juniors and adults um i was actually a child and i danced up the category into to the junior section and i um yeah so i was in their formation and we won gold for that um it was to um the whiz ease on down the road was the song um which i'm sure sure everyone will know uh and yeah so that was my first first gold was um was this for this 24 formation group um to which it's, it's more about the collective and and keeping in mind than it is you know technique and things like that um so that that journey from you know when i was really young i say really young when i was eight till about um 13 12 was kind of just working on technique and working on things like that and becoming part of this group um I then, in that was in 2015 that I won the gold, um, I then took a year off of tap 
because I got into a West End musical. I got into Big the Musical, um, and I was in the kind of premier first European cast of Big, and we toured around England um, prior to it coming to the West End. Um, so I took a year off in 2016 to kind of not work on tap and, and work on musical theatre and, and join my first professional company. Um, and then I came back to the tap once my contract had ended with the um, production company. Um, I came back to tap attack. Uh, I auditioned again. And this time I got into a, I got a solo. Um, what did I get that year? I got a solo and I think I got, um, I got a solo and I got an adult formation. So this time I was a junior. I danced up in the adult formation and I um, had a solo in my age category in juniors. Um, and to which I, I choreographed that solo myself. It was, um, yeah, it was quite... Nerve-wracking. Yeah, I, I'd never done choreography before. And so they kind of, they turned around and they said, yeah, solos, you guys are going to do them yourself. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, this, is not, this isn't going to go well. And obviously they gave help. Um, they gave lots of help and they gave lots of kind of advice and guidance. Um, and I thought, the same thing I, I had always thought was kind of, I'll do this because I love it and for the fun, but I'm not expecting anything. It's, um, it's that old saying... Um, um, oh, what is it? It's want everything, expect nothing. Um, I think it's a saying like that. Um, and that's, that's kind of the attitude I went in. I obviously wanted to do well, but I wasn't expecting to do well. And I, to be honest, I don't think the, uh, the team thought I was going to do well either. Um, but that was, uh, that was 2017 and I actually came fifth. Um, I came fifth that year. Um, and I, we won the uh, we won the formation, and um, so I did get I did get gold that year. Um, but yeah, I came fifth, uh, which I think everyone was very surprised by because I was kind of not the dark horse, but no one had ever really seen me as as competition. And you know, there were times like I remember in in rehearsals, a lot of the time it was kind of like oh. Um, I forgot you were doing a solo or, or things like that because I was never really seen as, as that much. So to get fifth with my own choreography, I was really I was really proud of. Um, and and then I stayed with them because I thought, you know, I've done. I want to keep getting better. I want to keep you know working on my skill. Um, stayed with the, I stayed with Tap Attack and I. Um, sorry, I. Uh, I re-auditioned again next year. You have to audition every year for the company and every year for the Team GB. So I auditioned for both and got into both. And then this time I got um, a solo, a duo, a trio, and a small group. And so I was now in four numbers for the World Championships. Um, and I was dancing up for two of them. So I was a junior. I danced into the adult category, which is above 16, for uh, the small group and the trio. And then for the duo and the solo, I danced in my junior age group. Um, this time I had one of the, uh, actually the kind of founding member's son, Kai. He did the choreography for me. It was, you know, it's brilliant choreography. Um, and, and yeah, I trained and I trained and I trained. Um, and I went to the World Championships that year. And I, I worked so hard, you know, hours and hours and hours every week. Um, I think by the end of it, I was working from about 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. on the weekends. 
I was working about three hours a day, um, not every week, but most weeks, um, working all my numbers. Um, and still, I, I went with this idea of, I want to do better than I did last year in terms of my solo, but you know, any, if I get fourth, even if I get fifth, anything is, anything is good. Um, with my duo, I, we didn't even think we'd make it to, to finals. Um, and my trio and the small group, we were just, you know, as close as we can get to the top is, is good. Um, and we went and yeah, I ended up, I ended up winning my solo. Um, I won my trio and my small group, um, and my duo came second. So it was a, a good year for me. It was a surprise in the end. Like you just said, like, go for the best, but expect the worst. So, yeah. <laughs> so nice surprise there. Um, so in, in, you've obviously trained a lot and learned a lot of things from scratch. What are those main things you think a tap dancer should know? Like, really know by heart. I think, I think it's hard. I think when you look at tap compared to other dance styles, um, you know, when you've got stuff like jazz and ballet and, and all the different kind of more specific branches that come off of jazz and musical theater, commercial and, and ballet and all that, they all come down to technique as the core. And it's, it's the same with tap. It all comes down to kind of core technique. But the biggest thing with tap, I think, that separates it as an art form is the kind of musicality, the, um, the need for musicality that, that needs to be worked on um, from, from a tap dancer. And I think that is the, the biggest thing that I would kind of say to, to people wanting to start tap is that really focus on kind of rhythms and... Um, and and working through the music, um, obviously, the, I think the first step of tap is kind of learning about the core steps. You, shuffles, you've got close work, um, crawls, um, paddles, kind of pickups. The kind of basic steps which um, amalgamated together create the dance. Um, and it is really important that you've got you've kind of you know all the drills you know all the different the core technique steps but once you've got those the different you know i think anyone can learn that to a, anyone can kind of drill those steps the difference that makes someone that can you know make sounds with their feet and then kind of make music and and, and dance and tap dance is that they um it's to music it's there's musicality to it and You have to kind of create intricate rhythms and and tap should be as visual as orally pleasing as it is visually um and so it, it's really imperative that you get both the performance aspect and then you get the kind of the sound quality because that's what people are impressed by you know you can you can move your feet really quickly at, uh, and and someone watch them go yeah but then if it's the the kind of rhythms that come from that so i think definitely working on being able to to try different to try swung rhythms to try kind of even rhythms syncopated rhythms and just learning and, and drilling to kind of fit in the pockets of the music and and kind of experiment with different time signatures is just really key to kind of taking your tap to the next level and you just mentioned one thing that made me remind me when i started tap dancing um and it's the visual pleasing 
you need in tap dance. Like I remember my first tap classes. Uh, like I guess this happens to everyone that learns tap that they just like stumble and stomp around yeah. all over the place trying to make any kind of sound. Uh, but I remember like watching myself in the mirror and I was like, I feel like a gorilla dancing. Yeah. <laughs> It was really weird. And then obviously with the years, with more technique, with more discipline, um, it was like, okay, I can make this visually pleasing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's obviously so many different styles and, and forms of tap. Um, and, you know, the kind of the new American, well, it's not new, but the, the American style that's come out is just so intricate and stuff like that but then we look at the kind of traditional golden age tap and it's all you know we look at 42nd street top hat on the town all these kind of classic tap shows um and and it is all about you know the audience i would say 99 of them aren't really going to be sat there going oh that was you know triple pickup that was really hard um Or like, wow, that, that step was really intricate. They're going to be going, oh, that sounded nice, but it looked so impressive. And the company of 40 people doing it made it makes it impressive. And so it is such a, a kind of key part in, in, the, in the world championships. It's also, it forms part of your the criteria that they mark you by is your presentation of the dance. You could have the most brilliant choreography and you could be the most technical dancer, but if you can't present the work in a way that audiences and and people enjoy watching, then I think tap slightly loses its kind of um, engagement to audiences. It's, it's so, it is so important. I remember um, from a, from like a tapper's point of view, I'd watch these, these soloists in, um, in the world championships and I'd be like, Oh my God, there's no way I can beat this person. Like this person is like they they're on a, a different level of tap that I can never reach. This is this is this is something else. Um and I was I was really surprised that I won because I thought the competition was so strong. Um but then at the end of the day a big part of it is you know how you present the dance and these people that are crazy good at tap they sometimes find themselves kind of closed in and and kind of hunched over and, and just getting the feet really quick and not, not really caring about the ankles, well, the knees up or, or whatever part of the, the body that's moving. Um, so it is as much of a visual art form as it is an oral. Yeah. Okay, I, I have another question for you. Um, performing, what is your best memory? Like, an overall, your performance history. It could be uh, from the, the World Tap Championship or any other musical you've done or any other um, opportunity you've been on stage. I've got, I've got a few. I, I don't think I can, I can pinpoint. Am I, am I allowed to, to say more than one? Of course you are. Perfect. Well, the, the, the biggest one that stands out to me is um, the year that I, I took off from kind of focusing on tap, I kind of joined the, um, the Big the Musical. Um, I auditioned throughout uh, kind of the spring for it. Um, I you know, had to do singing rounds, dance rounds, acting, I had to read, read some scenes in um, and 
kind of meet the creatives and, and things like that. Um, and then actually the way that they don't normally do this, I mean, when I was younger and I was training, I used to audition for all the kind of Billy Elliot, Matilda, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I always got to the finals. I got to the final fives to play Michael and Billy Elliot, the finals for Bruce and Matilda. I got to finals for Charlie and Charlie and Chocolate I got to all the finals and I never quite got it. Um, and I was getting to the point where my voice was breaking and I was kind of shifting um, kind of my playing demographic. Um, and it was quite ironic because the musical is called Big the Musical. I don't know, have you seen the film Big with Tom Hanks? Yeah, I, do. I love um, it. So uh, I, I, I'd never I'd never seen it before. Um, and it was kind of, it was perfect because I was getting too big to play all these roles. Um, and it was kind of my last shot at, you know, getting in something professional when I was when I was young and getting into kind of a, a lead role as a as a child. Um, and we found out on the day, uh, which was it, it, it never really happens. All the all the auditions I've done, they kind of they tell you two weeks later. Some of them don't even tell you. Um, it's such it's such a culture in the industry that you you get to the final rounds of stuff and you never hear. Um, I remember auditioning for the Peter Pan film called Pam. And, you know, I'm still to this day waiting to find out if I got it. And the film came out four years ago. Like, I'm guessing it's a no. But, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, you never get told. Um, and but, so, so we found out on the day. And I was like, I called my mum and I was like, you'll never guess what. She's like, what? I said, like, I got it. I got the role. And she was like, no, you're joking. You're joking. And I was like, I'm really not. Uh, and she actually ended up calling my agent. Um, and saying and saying, is he lying? And they were like, no, 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 he, he has genuinely got it. And my mum finally was like, oh wow, it's amazing. Um, and so we moved into the rehearsal um, process in in September of that year, September 2016. Um, and obviously, it's been about four, three months since I'd all, I I got the, the role. Um, and I remember thinking my voice has obviously developed quite a lot since then and, and gone a bit lower. And I thought, oh, God, I really hope this doesn't, this doesn't go wrong. So I turned up on the first day. I kind of met the director, the choreographers, the, um, the kind of musical director, the adult cast. And we went, I did my first call um, where we were learning um, the, uh, the second member in the show, Talk to Her, um, it's called. Um, it's, it's a good album. Everyone should go listen to a big musical. Um, but nice, nice plug there. But um, uh, we and uh, we got to this thing, and they were teaching it to us. And I sat there going, "This is so high. This is so high." And two of the other boys put their hands up, and I thought they're going to say something about the key, so I put my hand up as well. And the two other boys went, "This is so low. I can't sing this." Oh my god! And I was yeah, and I was like, I thought I can't do it. I'm sorry, this is way too high. I can't sing this. And the steward, the MD, was like, oh, he said, "Give me a day, give me a day. I'll figure something out." And I thought it's two against one here. I'm definitely going to get fired. You know, I'm definitely not going to get this. And he comes in the next day, um, and I was you know waiting, waiting for the bad news. And he said, "Okay, what we're going to do is I'm going to transpose all of the orchestrations down." A few tones um for every night that cameron's on and every night that the two of you are on um we'll we'll do it in the kind of original set key um and i was like oh my god like they you know the the whole two hour performance got completely transposed 
just you know just for my songs and just so I could I could sing <laughs> singing it um and we I remember we had two different papers and the orchestra was told every night it's blue I was blue and the other team were pink um and they got told okay it's blue tonight Cameron's on so they'd they kind of put blue you know that that's getting later later into the story so I so here we were in rehearsals we were figuring out the two different keys um and and this the reason I'm telling the story is the whole process is my this is really what made me think this is what I need to go into I I I, I can't even describe it it was the most amazing thing but so I yeah I'll, I'll, I'll I talk about the whole process because I can I think it's interesting. Um, but so yeah, so we were there in rehearsals. We were kind of working with our director through scenes. Um, the lead in it was Jane McGuinness. He was in the band The Wanted. Um, he was the one Strictly for any UK viewers out there. He won a big TV show called Strictly Come Dancing. But yeah, he's obviously famous from The Wanted. Um, he was in it. Uh, there was you know there was, the cast was quite famous. Um, in terms of British musical theatre, um, Gary Wilmot, um, just, yeah, the, the cast was amazing. So we were working with, it was amazing to work with, you know, these adult professionals who have been through all their training and, and it's kind of, were working professionally on the West End to work with kind of West End producers and, and directors and choreographers. So we learned, learned all of the material, um, in London, uh, Dance Attic Studios, we learned all the material there. And then we moved to Plymouth, where the set was built. Um, and I remember the first, all of our rehearsals in Plymouth were with the full set. Um, so, you know, we can get used to it. And just the set was, you know, half a million was, was put into it. And it was kind of a tiered revolve system. So the stage kind of revolved and we had three different layers and moving sets and the flies um, and the the stage we had a an led screen to kind of give the set and the floor was led that lit up to do the iconic piano scene and we were you know we teched on there we worked on there we kind of put all this rough stage and we we did onto onto the set in plymouth did all our costumes down plymouth all of the kind of us we did the sips probe and for any viewers that don't know what a, a sits probe is, it's um it's basically where the orchestra and the kind of the actors and the singers come together for the first time and kind of and it's the first chance for it is it was one of the best but it was the first chance for the, the actors and the performers to hear how all the music sounds, not just piano, um and you sing through the material and so we did that all in, in Plymouth and then we did a week of previews and two weeks of runs um uh, two weeks of shows uh which was amazing. Um, yeah, quick, quick sidetrack here. My first ever show, um, we because the the stage was so technical and the the show was a really technological show. Um, I remember my first night, we had a stage stop um, where basically a technical issue had happened, and so the show has to be stopped. The curtain kind of comes down in the audience, you know, wait for ten fifteen minutes, and then they take it back up to where we left off. Um, and I remember being sat, um, it was a scene where I was sat in the house having a bowl of, a bowl of fake cereal um, and and no one had told me that there was a stage up and it was just me on stage. And so I was there for about 10, 15 minutes with nothing happening. And I thought, I was like, do, 
like, do I leave? I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, I don't know why no one's singing. I don't know why no one's acting. Like, there should be a song now. I was there kind of pretending to eat ice cream and reading a comic book, which was kind of my trap for that moment. And I was flicking, like, flicking through this comic book. And then I was like, I'm coming to the end of the comic book now. Like, something needs to happen. And then our stage manager, Joe, kind of, like, opened the door to the house and then Ken can come off stage. And I was like... Like, I, I was stood there with an audience of, that, like, a thousand, two thousand in front of me, um, my opening night, like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh. Um, and then that happened twice in the same night. Um, sorry, sidetrack there. <laughs> um, but, but, so, yeah, that was my, that was my opening night. Um, we then went to Dublin and um, to the Bordgosh Theatre, um you know, it was just, it was incredible. The press night parties and meeting all these different people and kind of networking with the cast and, and all these, meeting um, Maltby and Shire um, and the kind of the original writers of Big, who are obviously massive composers um, and the kind of originals. Um, and yeah, that that, I, that was the the top for me. That I, After that, I remember the last night and... Um, closing night i was it was it was my final show and it was everyone's final show i I got the um the closing night and i remember it was the final transition where josh becomes small again um and i remember being sat there in the side with um one of our swings katie and just crying and crying um and and then it was time for my bows and so i me and the other child the uh, the other josh were the final bows um and so we we come on at the end, we kind of do our bows, and I was just like sobbing and sobbing, and I looked behind me, and like the whole company are crying, um, and you know we, we do the final song, and the revolve kind of turns around so that the audience can't see us, um, and I remember we all just finished, and we were all just hugging it and crying because the cast we were such a like tight cast, um, and I remember in that moment being like, yeah, this is what I like this is where I need to go in life. Um, there's, there's nothing else for me that's, that's kind of topped that. Um, and obviously, you know, the world championships, they're such different, different things. Um, both were amazing in their own right. Um, but yeah, I just, just, that was, that was probably my best experience on stage. And that, that is a beautiful memory. Like, I, I felt that way, too, like closing a show and just, it it just happens and it's beautiful when it does, when your cast becomes a part of your family for quite a while um, yeah. and, and a specific, uh, like, period of time uh, and just closing is, it's just... An, uh, an it's heartbreaking. Out, yeah, but it's also an unearthly experience to to like look back on all those months of rehearsals and shows and uh crying and maybe maybe having injuries and blood all all over the floor <laughs> so yeah I, that was that's that's a beautiful feeling yeah and it's on honestly it's it is post show blues it's there's not it's it is like a hole in your life you know these people have been we lived together we ate together we traveled together every like i've lived with these people from 11 a.m from like 
morning cleanup calls till about 10, 11 o'clock at night when, you know, the show finished. Get mic checks, warm-ups every day, you know, the Christmas warm secret Santa. The, you know, these people, these people were a big part of my life for five months, um, five, six months. And then all of a sudden, you know, it stops. And, and I've... I mean, I've kept in contact. I've tried to keep in contact with quite a few of the people, but um, it kind of stops, and then you know, you never see these people again. So it was, yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience, and I still to this day, I keep all of. I've got my vocal score and my my libretto, and I've got all of the stuff still that I always, every once in a while, kind of come back to. Um, and yeah, yeah, so I love it. Before we go, I have a little trivia for you. Oh God, I'm not good with uh, <laughs> with knowledge. <laughs> My knowledge is something like I've got a really good knowledge of certain areas of musical theatre and things like that, and like these really intricate, complex, you know, shows and, and composers. But then you ask me like the, the the top level kind of questions, and I'm all but I'll go for it. I'm, I'll try my best. All right, first. Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire? Oh. The thing, I grew up, obviously, with both. I think, personally, I think I'm going to go with Gene Kelly, which is probably, I think, not what most people say. You know, Fred Astaire is kind of held as the, the king of tap, but I love singing in the rain, so... So I'm going to go with Gene Kelly. And I loved On the Town and America and Paris. I just, I love those things. So Gene Kelly. Classical musical theatre or contemporary musical theatre? Oh, really pulling at the heartstrings here. I, it, well, contemporary musical theatre has so much. I mean, there's been such a shift in like the most recent years to kind of pop rock musicals like, like Jagged Little Pill. And I personally am not biggest fan of that but i think contemporary i i love you know jason robert brown you know sondheim all of these last five years songs for a new world i'm I, i'm gonna go with contemporary i, I do love contemporary <laughs> musical theater um din- dancing singing or acting could you really you really are picking questions that are kind of hard to answer. Um, dancing, singing, or acting? As in, which is the most important, or which do I prefer most? Which do you prefer? I mean, you're a whole triple threat, but you must have one that you like better. I'm really... I, I really love all three equally. I mean... In terms of, like, I would say my best disciplines, I'd say kind of, I don't know, obviously <laughs> dance because of my tap, but I love singing, I love acting. I, I'm, I think I'm going to have to go with all three here. I'm sorry, I just, <laughs> I, I can't pick between those. No, no worries, no worries. And last question. Well, it's not actually a question, but which are your five, top five favorite musical theater shows? No brainers. To listen to or to watch? Oh my god, they they have never throw back the question at me that way. Uh, I don't know. Uh, which you prefer? Why, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Because if we look at 
stuff like um, Songs for a New World, um, Songs for a New World, and um, The Man in the Ceiling by Andrew Lipper, which if anyone takes anything from this podcast, it is to listen to The Man in the Ceiling by Andrew Lipper. But songs like that are, are so amazing to, you know, listen to on full volume. But there's nothing... There's nothing that compares to the spectacle of, you know, Wicked or 40 Seconds Through. So, top five are going to be, um, I'll do a mixture of both. My, I'll, do top, I'll do top three for watching and listening. Go. So, top three for watching, um, Wicked, Hairspray, um, and 40 Seconds Street. I, like, I really hate to be that basic, but <laughs> you can't go wrong. Uh, and to listen to... Um, the Man in the Ceiling by Andrew Lipper. Um, then I would say um, Songs for New World, Jason Robert Brown. And lastly, the final one that I think is amazing to listen to. My God, I've got so many in my head. I just need to pick one. Um, you know what? I'm going to go basic and say Dear Evan Hansen because... Even that is that I see. I saw it on the West End. It's amazing to watch and to listen to. Um, it's it's like a comfort musical. It's a comfort musical, definitely. Yeah. Um, I just any of the you know the biggest Hamilton, Mean Girls, um, all of the um, waitress, all of these like big musicals that are kind of so contemporary. You need to listen to, but the the Man on the Ceiling. Just please, everyone, go listen to that one. It is amazing. <laughs> Before we go, Cameron, um, where can people get a hold of you? Like, I know you're um, active it, in, on, on Instagram, but if someone wants to contact you, say hi, where they can get a hold of you. Well, my I'm really quick to respond on Instagram. So, and my Instagram I, is, I think, yeah, I'm, my DMs are open to kind of the world. Um, so... And on my Instagram is my email address, um, which is cam... God, I just want to get it wrong. Hang on. <laughs> this is not the part to get wrong. Uh, cam.tweed, like the fabric, 302 at gmail.com. Um, so if anyone, you know, has any questions or wants to hear more about uh, my experience at the West End or, or tap, um, message me on Instagram um, or, on, or email me. Um, I'm quite quick well I'm sure I'm not that quick to reply as you know but, <laughs> uh, when I do when I when I have free time I will reply um, so that's where that's where you can get hold of me awesome well Cameron thank you this has been a wonderful conversation uh, I wish you the best I know that a lot of great things are your way Oh, and I cannot thank wait you. I cannot wait to see and know where, what are you doing wherever, whenever is COVID over <laughs> thank you and yeah please do you know, keep in contact okay. uh, perfect thank you thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.